Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Rogers and Hammerstein's musical The King and I features well-known songs like I Whistle a Happy Tune, Shall We Dance, and Hello Young Lovers. But when you hear Kelly O'Hara sing them in the new Lincoln Center revival, it can feel like you've never really heard them before. This production has received nothing but raves, not to mention nine Tony nominations, including for Best Leading Actress in a Musical, and I'm delighted it has brought back to our show that leading actress in question, Kelly O'Hara. Hi. Hi, I'm so happy to be here again. This makes your second Rodgers and Hammerstein musical on Broadway after South Pacific. Was there a push to do this soon after South Pacific closed? Um, I've heard that there was. Uh, I think I became privy to it a little later, but uh, it was definitely in the works during South Pacific, apparently. When you were growing up in Elk City, Oklahoma, (laughs) how aware were you of Rodgers and Hammerstein? That's a good question. Uh, Extremely, uh, extremely aware. I I didn't grow up with live theater at all, but I grew up with movie musicals. And, of course, I'm from Oklahoma, so the musical Oklahoma was the first thing I ever saw or heard. So I began to love Carousel and and Sound of Music and all those. But... You didn't know this one. There's a movie. I didn't. I don't. I don't know why. My mom. I've asked my mom because she's really the one who, who loved to watch those musicals with me. Um, she had seen it, but it wasn't one of the ones we kept watching over and over again. In fact, I never did see it. Um, the only thing I can assume is that when I was a younger, uh, when I was a young girl, I was more attracted to the more ingenue roles. You know. What did you think when you first read it and, and heard the music? Um, I first really became aware uh, of what this character, um, the possibilities of her back in August when Ken Watanabe came to town. We met and we did a reading around a table. And I, I, I was blown away. I, I didn't understand that the kind of woman could be written, you know, that they would write this kind of woman in the 50s, you know. But uh, now you're not thinking, now you're already thinking beyond the ingenue roles. Yes. And this is a great character to play. Absolutely. But were you surprised that Andre Bishop, the uh, artistic director at Lincoln Center Theater and, and uh, Barcher, thought that you were an obvious choice for the part of Anna? Yeah, in ways, in many ways I am because uh, what I did before South Pacific was The Light in the Piazza, which was very, mm-hmm. not only an ingenue, but an ingenue with an arrested development. Uh, so then, then... Nellie Forbush has a bit of arrested development as well. Exactly. This is a very mature person. A very, and a very um, uh, well-rounded and kind of... Uh, full thinking. I mean, we have these other girls who are limited. Um, and so the fact that they saw, they were thinking South Pacific, they were thinking Nellie Forbush, and in their mind came Anna next, that was a surprise to me. I find it hard to believe that you had to audition for South Pacific despite having worked <laughs> with Bart for the in The Light in the Piazza. Well, you know, I don't want to uh, assume anything, but I think that uh, that I auditioned for South Pacific because Nellie and Clara aren't really me. And now that I think about it and I'm talking about it, I do feel 
uh, more um, in tune with Anna as far as just my politics and my opinions and of things. And so uh, maybe he wanted to make sure that I could uh, get get innocent enough. <laughs> Although it is interesting that Rodgers and Hammerstein wrote at least two musicals that deal with racial issues. Yeah. So, and you're, you've been in both <laughs> In of both, them. yeah. Well, maybe, I'm, maybe I look like a representation of, of one or the other. <laughs> Although in this case, you have to speak with a British accent. I do. Sing with a British accent. Yes. David Cote in Time Out called your performance uh, in this musical achingly beautiful and said it is by turns radiant and restrained when it needs to be centered and nuanced, humor mingled with melancholy. Is it harder to play a role where everything isn't all out? No. I mean, restraint and and subtext and things like that are so interesting and so so delicious. And I I love having a lot going on off the stage and inside my head Um, because sometimes not being able to completely um, burst out is is very effective emotionally, you know. That's because that's the human nature. I mean, we don't walk around just screaming all the time. Well, you obviously... Uh, are a very good actor, and Thank you. do you have you ever done anything that wasn't a musical? Yes, I mean I did. Well, the last time I was here, actually, we, mm-hmm. I, I was with Sam Waterston and Michael McKean for a, a production of King Lear mm-hmm. down at the Public, right. which is um, Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> but I, I I did plays in college. Um, I haven't been asked to do a play here, but really I've been doing musicals so often that I don't think there's been time. I'd love to. And then there were some musicals that have been adaptations of Shakespearean plays. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. What were rehearsals like when you're taking on songs that are so familiar? And and I'm sure you're aware that you have to sing them straight, but you also have to make them fresh. Absolutely. I mean, people ask me about the, the pressure of doing something and reviving it, and especially played by iconic people. Um, I can't ever approach it that way because I only have uh, one sound and one – well, that's not true. I feel like I have a million, but but I have a one, reasons to sing. And whatever reasons I, I choose to sing create a different sound than any than another person would make. So I just kind of depend on that to make it different. I, I don't try to make it different. I just depend on the truth to be different. Do you see Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals as being different from the other musicals of that time? I do. I, I'm learning that more and more. I think you can, your audience can kind of choose how to experience a Roger and Hammerstein musical. You can go and just listen to I'm Going to Wash That Man Right Out of My Hair, or you can go and listen to You Have to Be Carefully Taught. You can actually miss the point, or you can deep dig deeply into the point. Um, they were really tackling big things, and uh, and I'm I'm so impressed with that. And I think, you know, that's what theater is. It's a, a political platform, you know. But also strikes me, uh, in light of some of the musicals, more recent musicals, is how each song that they have composed has a really strong melodic line, uh, oh. things that you will remember all your life. That's right. I mean, you know, you ask kind of what came first, the chicken or the egg, you know, is it because Rodgers and Hammerstein scores have been our soundtrack of our life, at least these, the last couple of generations? Or is it because the first time they were heard, people were listening differently and really so absorbed them. I don't know. Uh, this is uh, based on a novel that had been inspired by the memoirs of Anna Leonowens, uh, about her becoming a nanny for the King of Siam. But it's a lot, a lot about the role of women in mm. society. And it's amazing how timeless 
it seems at times. Yeah, you know, and I've said this, but it's an, it's an actor's job to, to, ma- to make a reasons for us to be relevant in what we do so that we can believe in it. But it feels really relevant. I mean, I, we're not pretending here. We have a female running for president and all that sort of thing. So I, I feel like we feel um, it's necessary to do this show again right now. My guest is Kelly O'Hara, stars as Anna Leona Wins in Rogers and Hammerstein's The King and I, which has received six... You've received six Tony nominations? I have. Nine for the show. Yeah, this is my sixth. This is, it's at the Vivian Beaumont Theater on West 65th Street. And uh, the the cast album will be coming out soon, I gather. Yeah, I think we just released today, yeah. There are 46 Asian members of the cast, (laughs) including Ken Watanabe, uh, the Japanese film star from Letters from Iwo Jima and The Last Samurai, who plays the king. Um, I, I wonder with the kids if there are any Japanese kid actors who are not in this because I, don't you have to alternate them from performance to performance? No, we have one cast of children and they do every show. It's it's amazing. Um, they're amazing kids. Sometimes when they're yawning at 11 o'clock at night, <laughs> I just, as Anna, but really Kelly, pick them up on the stage and hold them, you know. So so your own other personal experience as a mother yes. is helped you play this part? Oh, yes, absolutely, every night. What about uh, the uh, Ken Watanabe? Uh, how good is his English? <laughs> uh, it, do you think it sounds like the King of Siam might have actually sounded? Absolutely. I think that, you know, it's obviously not a, um, it's a Japanese accent, but that language divide that there is, and it's better than you think. I mean, Ken is a wonderful communicator, and, and he has us all in stitches most of the time off stage. Very physical actor. He's a very physical actor. No, There's nothing like that happening in theater today, what he's doing. It's magic. Um, but yes, the language divide is there, and it only helps our show, because that's exactly what would have been happening in the time. Is it hard to sing while you're dancing, especially when you're <laughs> dancing in the floor? length gown complete with this bouncing frame. Yes. You know, I think once I really start going, I'm not singing anymore um, because it is kind of a a gentle uh, balance of, of singing and moving moving smoothly in that 40-pound dress. Once I start really doing the polka, I, the singing stops. Thank you very much. The writers were very smart that way. <laughs> Can you tell us about that dress? Costume designer Catherine Zuber calls it the snowplow. And indeed it is. Anything on the stage that might be left over a jewel, a Band-Aid from one of the dancers, it's always underneath my dress when I come off stage. I basically clean up the stage uh, with my dress. What kinds of undergarments would you wear under something like that? Well, because of Catherine Zuber, I, I wear very authentic uh, period undergarments. I wear a corset. I wear um, kind of like pantaloon bloomer things, white uh, tights. And, and so everything is very authentic. Is it heavy? Um, it's very heavy. It's it's almost 40 pounds. Uh, so it's like carrying my son wrapped around my waist. Wow. <laughs> and I don't do that really, you know. And then you have to dance in it. Um, Were you a good waltzer before you took on well, this film? <laughs> Listen, I mean, when do we have the opportunity to do anything like this? It's It's been a very brand new experience for sure. This uh, production is also incredible. It features a full orchestra with 29 players um, because they're using the original score? Yes. No synthesizers. Oh, no. No, no, no. This is this is one of the things that Lincoln Center, and also one of the things that made South Pacific so magical. Everything in that theater is being, the production value is out of this world. It's just, I'm so proud. There's a, a ship that seems to be pulling 
uh, rushing toward the audience at the start. That's true. And it's going over where we know the orchestra is sitting. Exactly. So everybody, we actually have gasps and then a huge applause, and it's really exciting to start the show that way. And then later there's a, a play within the play, The Small House of Uncle Thomas, mm-hmm. with some amazing dancing. Oh, this the ballet is just exquisite. In those days, musicals often had ballet, so did operas. Yes. And, you know, you think in this day and age, should we do this? Should we, should we risk the time? You know, people's attention spans are, don't want this, but they do, and they love it every time. Yeah. It seems they do. They say they do. <laughs> do you always know what part you want to play next? You know what? I haven't. I have for a long time. I've been very, very lucky to, to have some things lined up. Um, but I, I'm going to have fun with Anna for a while, and then I don't know. Because this must be a very different kind of experience than working with a classic as opposed to being the first person in a play like uh, the, the Bridges of Madison right. County. Yeah. When I was I was building that, that show and another show called Far From Heaven up for a few, like five years, so I knew those things were coming. Um, so the next thing, I don't know it yet because I want it to be something new again. There was a lovely article in the Times about when your mentor and voice teacher Florence Birdwell came to see the play. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was your teacher at Oklahoma City University? Yes. Did she give any feedback? Uh, she kept asking what I was going to be doing next. <laughs> that's, but that's my teacher. And that's why I'm who I am. <laughs> well, one of the uh, most amazing coincidences is that two Oklahomans and former students of hers are on Broadway at the same time, you and Kristen Chenoweth. Yes. Uh, and both are Tony nominees. <laughs> That's right. Are you friends? We are friends. So this, is, this has actually been a lot of fun. Are there other... <laughs> this, uh, the King and I followed South Pacific directly and from Rogers and Hammerstein. Right. Mm-hmm. What was the next one? <laughs> Gosh, what was the next one after this? I'm just wondering if you want to start oh, uh, <laughs> no. a trifecta no, here. I, no, I better, I better take a, a break uh, you know, from that and, and do uh, other kinds of things, although I always welcome them. What advice would you give someone who's starting out who wants to get into musical theater today? Other than perhaps go to Florence Birdwell, <laughs> although I'm not sure. She, is she still teaching? She's not. Oh. No, unfortunately. She's in her 90s. She is. Uh, still a spitfire, but not teaching anymore. Um, you know, at the risk of making people feel like there wouldn't be a place for them in this business, I, I would continue to say be exactly who you are and not a cookie cutter because that's what's happening. I never would have worked if I tried to continue doing pop or thinning out my voice to sound uh, less operatic. I never would have worked. It was only when I found thing, people like Ricky and Gordon or, my, or Adam Gettle or that kind of rounder music and then, of course, Jason Robert Brown, when I kind of found my way as a, as a, as a vocalist. I knew how I loved to sing, but I, um, I do adapt my sound a lot in order to work. Could you go on the other way and sung an opera? Yeah, I just made my Met debut this year, so I'm. Uh, I that I'm, must have been a thrill. Oh my gosh, a twenty-year-old dream. But that's that's an amazing house as well. Oh. You can just somehow you can be heard in the top tier. Yeah, uh, I, I don't even, know how it works. Even though you're singing with the same kind of volume you're singing uh, at the uh, at this theater. Well, a little bit more. <laughs> you have to project a just bit a bit more. more? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, a reminder, Kelly O'Hara stars as Anna, or the I in Rogers and Hammerstein's The King and I. Uh, it's at the Vivian Beaumont Theater on West 65th Street. And uh, it has been, as always, a great pleasure having you here. Ben Brantley wrote Kelly O'Hara as one of our gr- the greatest reinterpreters of musical standards, a five-handkerchief masterpiece, breathtaking, exquisite, remarkable. Wow, thank you. That's nice. On a bright cloud of music shall we fly? Shall we dance? 
Shall we then say goodnight and mean goodbye? Or perchance, when the last little star has left the sky, shall we still be together with our arms around each other? And shall you 